launch in three, two, one. Go. This is a dangerous beat that we're dealing with now. Introducing the Dog Pound Daily Podcast with your hosts, Andrew Sight. I must be louder. And site expert Stephen Kabitza. If it's a blowout, Monday's podcast is going to be a bummer. But if they win, it's going to be a party. This DJ is so funky, man. Okay, let's go. We are back for the Friday edition of the Dog Pound Daily Podcast. I'm Andrew Stiped. With me, as always, Stephen Kabitza. You know, it wouldn't be December without some sort of speculation about a, a regime change or a coaching change of some sort. Today, we actually got the news that Sashi Brown will no longer be the executive vice president of football operations for the Cleveland Browns. Steven, what's your initial reaction to this news? Well, I knew when I woke up and had a voicemail from you that something horrible had happened. You, you, well, I left you that voicemail at 1030. What time did you wake up? Is that what time you woke up today? <laughs> I was going to say, Sashi Brown wasn't fired until later in the morning. But no, I was pretty surprised because I said last week I didn't think he was gone, and you laughed. I was actually going to bring this up and be like, we should make that a fr- one of those freezing cold takes if he stays. And then sure enough, before we can record, he's <laughs> gone. I'm From Jimmy Haslam's point of view, it makes sense. But the fact that he gave Hugh a vote of confidence and let Sasha go, I, I, I'm not sure things are going to get much better soon. Well, I, I mean, I, I talked about it earlier, and I, I thought Sashi would be the scapegoat all along. It was just a matter of whether or not Hugh Jackson would get another year as coach, and, and we talked about it ad nauseum, and we're going to continue to talk about it because Jimmy Haslam did give him a vote of confidence for the 2018 season. Whether he follows through on that that uh, that promise remains to be seen, as we, we know Jimmy Haslam's not necessarily the most trustworthy person when it comes to things like that. Um, it's a little puzzling from that standpoint because he is, you know, one Jamie meter blocked field goal away from being pretty much winless in two seasons, which is unheard of by NFL standards. So it is a little puzzling that, that he did get that vote of confidence because he has been part of the reason why this team has lost games over the last, you know, two seasons. Well, it's obviously a puzzling vote of confidence coming from, but I mean, it's coming from the guy who's under FBI investigation who and can't handle a Tennessee coaching head coach search either. He's under investigation that he had to call state representatives to tell them the state of the Tennessee coaching search. And then he did this. I, I mean, he needs to retire. No wonder his hair is completely ghost white. I mean, it, there was a picture of Jimmy Haslam on the, I read an article of pilot flying J and it was a picture of him back in the day when, you know, he probably took over and it was, he had full head of brown hair. And, and now I, it's probably fallen out at this point with all this crap that he's going under because I can't even handle, you know, a day in the life of a, a plastic salesman, let alone, you know, being under federal investigation and having two, two organizations under me that are completely falling apart at the seams. Yeah. I and I'm kind of frustrated that he kind of sent Hugh Jackson out today for the post-practice press conference pretending, little tongue twister there, pretending that, like, he wasn't going to get asked about this stuff. Like, I was listening, and for those who, for those who did listen, he's like, it was nice to be outside. We're getting used to the, uh, to the weather. It's going to be pretty cold on Sunday. And the first question was like, uh, are you going to react to the Sashi Brown news? And there were some guys getting, or some reporters were getting pretty testy, and so was Hugh. I'm like, man, Jimmy Haslam should be out there. He just fired the GM. Well, I, I think he's on track to talk tomorrow, right? Or, I mean, or at least that was the plan. It could have Friday. So when this, 
airs, this episode airs, he will be talking to the media. I mean, who knows? They could they could introduce a new GM by then. And I think it is kind of puzzling that they fired him so early, but I also think it's kind of an advantage and, and something that the Giants had started, you know, earlier in the week with the firing of Ben McAdoo and Jerry Reese. Uh, if there's a guy out there that they want, and we've heard the name John Dorsey being thrown around, I think that's their number one guy. Um, very nice proven track record in terms of scouting. Definitely a, a football guy, but you know it, they could the the wheels could be already in motion to have him be introduced to, as soon as tomorrow. We have no idea, but you know it, you're right. It would be nice to hear Jimmy Haslam come out and defend, or or at least not let Hugh Jackson you know deal with those questions because it almost seems like Hugh Jackson had been the one you know, feeding the narrative that it was all the front office's fault to begin with. I understand Haslam doing his press conference a day after the firing, but like you said, just the fact that you send out Hugh Jackson right away and then he's getting the brunt of it. Although in this press conference, he did mention how his team isn't talented, which was a little shot at the front office. And then when people asked him more pointed questions, he said, you're going to have to ask Jimmy that. So it's like he had to get in his last jabs. It's not even a shot at the front office. It's a shot at the players. I mean, how yeah. do you go in that locker room? And I heard Daryl Ryder right before we started this on Bull and Fox, you know, talk about how the players, it's not just lip service, you know, with Hugh Jackson. They really do enjoy playing for him. You know, he comes into work every day. He's upbeat. You know, he's a good coach. But when he when they listen to that press conference, that's got to be a little, you know, irritating, doesn't it? I'm assuming at this point they don't listen or they just agree, yeah, we're 0-12. We're not very good, but we're getting better. But Hugh Jackson literally said he didn't hire an offensive coordinator because it would be unfair to have a guy come into a team so bad. But he's the offensive coordinator. Yeah, and it's like, I, I get that you, how could you say that? I mean, that, that, that comment is completely absurd. Completely like we're not hiring a, we're not hiring a third base coach because our team stinks and I, I'll go out there. Yeah. It's like, you just hire these people. It's part of a team. Thrown out. Yeah, just makes no sense. It's like being afraid of your own shadow almost. Like, well, I'm afraid that, that one of my friends would get fired because of the terrible job that I'm doing, you know, as a, as a head football coach. And his first move as offensive coordinator was to say, you know who should run this offense? Robert Griffin the third. And that that's the thing I don't understand. I mean, he's got Mike Silver going on quite a tangent tonight at Browns fans because Hugh Jackson is able to stay. And, he, it, again, he's the mouthpiece for Hugh Jackson, whether you know, he agrees with it or not, you know, that's the narrative that's been set out and it's, it's not an unknown thing. So for him to, you know, continue to say, well, he wanted Carson Wentz. He wanted Jared Goff. He wanted Jimmy Garoppolo. He also wanted RG three. And even though he didn't want Cody Kessler, he still came out and said it and so, started him. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't, I, I can't believe Hugh Jackson. Well, I think that, you know, he gives that vote of confidence Remember, the Giants gave a vote of confidence two weeks before they fired McAdoo after he benched Eli Manning, so that was only two weeks. The Browns still have four weeks left. If they go 0-16 and get whooped in Pittsburgh, embarrassed, winless season, there's a parade downtown. Hugh Jackson already said he'd jump in the lake if they go 1-15, so unless he wins two of the last four, the only way to save him is to fire him. But if they go 0-16 and bring in a new GM, a legit GM who has experience in the league, and he says, you want me to keep this guy who just went 0-16 and kicked, like basically ran the other front office out of town? I don't see him staying. The the only – and I, I do see it from a positive perspective because there are so many young players on the roster that if the players do truly enjoy playing for him, which, again, is, is not 
we haven't seen that they don't enjoy playing for him. You know, they continue to, to fight every week, but what NFL team doesn't fight every week? You know, I mean, well, to that point, few... though, I was listening to 92.3 as well, and Ian Rappaport was on, and I think um, on Bull and Fox, Bull made the point, like, doesn't everyone play hard? And Rappaport was like, no. Some teams, like, you could watch, and they don't at the end of the season if they don't like their coach. But they're still playing hard, but maybe, like, they're dogging it at the end of plays because you can't just not play at all you get hurt. Yeah, I mean, it, you can see it on film whether they're trying or not. But again, it, it's just a it, it just doesn't make sense, you know. It, it, just because they fight for him, or even the narrative that if he wins a few games, that that's a, shine, a sign of progress. Like Eric Mangini won four games in a row when Holmgren took over and saved his job, but then the next year they tanked or they sucked again. So he was fired, and after he was either at the end of the season or whatever. But I mean, if Hugh Jackson doesn't win seven, eight, nine games next year. He's going to get fired. So what's the point of keeping him? If you're really that confident that a or guy like Or if he like starts Rosen, 0 and 4. Yeah. I mean, you're, he's going to be gone. And and who's if if they're really that confident in a guy like Josh Rosen coming in and and being able to elevate that franchise, which he might, or a guy like Kirk Cousins or something like that, if you really think that the roster's equipped to to make that jump from one win in 2 years to uh 7 wins in in year 3, I, I maybe but i think that's a little bit of a pipe dream so if they go winless this year that'll be four total wins in three seasons and some fans are like you know add a few players 10 win team next year i go that's true for every other team but with the way the browns have gone since 99 believing that to me is just crazy well again it just comes down to the quarterback i I mean we saw i I think joel and i talked about it today in the group chat i mean our writer joel cade for dog pound daily he mentioned that, you know, it, it, you, it's not all about the quarterback and you need to build the team. And, and while that is true on paper, I mean, we're seeing it right now. That, that that just doesn't work. You can't have a guy, a quarterback like Deshaun Kaiser go out and have five games of sub five, 50 percent completion percentage, you know, all those turnovers in the red zone. I mean, that, between him and Hugh Jackson, I mean, that's 90 percent. I would say 95 percent of the reason why we're winless at this point. I say an argument I see. I don't. Joel didn't make it, but I see on Twitter a lot of people say, like a big in, be like, oh, Carson Wentz wouldn't help. Look at the trade we got, and they look at the trade for Wentz and they show all the picks we got, mm-hmm. and people say, well, that shouldn't be an indictment on Sashi. Every GM would make this trade. But at the end of the day, if you're if all the picks you got suck, it's not still well. That was a good trade in in theory. It's no he he made a good trade at that exact moment in time, but he blew every asset gained from that so it's not a good trade then because when you're running a team you have to look be like okay well at the time yes i liked it but if he you still have to execute you can't just be like i got these sorry we blew them you can't have 100 draft picks and blow them all yeah and and even if carson wentz isn't the same carson wentz you know in a different world if he is drafted by the browns there at number two you know, even if he's not as good as he was in Philly, because a, a lot of the arguments I see too is that oh, Philly was a much loaded, ro- much more loaded roster when Wentz took over. His starting running back was Ryan Matthews, and his wide receivers were garbage. I mean, it's it's a very similar situation to what the Browns were going through. But for the sake of this argument, let's say that that the Browns went five and five and eleven with Carson Wentz the first year. Even though they go five and eleven, he's still showing signs that he is your franchise quarterback. And then in the next year, you don't have to draft Deshaun Kaiser at number in the second round or consider, you know, trading out at 12 because another team wants a quarterback. You know, you can take a Malik Hooker there or whatever, you know, impact player to surround Carson Wentz with at that point. And, and the problem with Sashi Brown 
is that he just he punted. He traded down two years in a row. He punted on the quarterback position. I mean, that's something that you or I could have done as general manager. You know, pick Miles Garrett. Great. We all could have done that. It just it's a little frustrating and as a GM as an up-and-coming GM you definitely know now that if you don't take your shot on a quarterback you're very likely to get fired anyway even if you don't if you get fired and he fails great at least you took your shot at a quarterback versus now Sashi Brown's gonna sit here and, and all the Sashi apologists will say well he set us up for success when you know anyone could have done that really it's 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 taking the quarterback and the evaluation of the quarterback that I think is what cost Sashi Brown his job yeah, the problem I see from both sides of the argument, it's either look at all the good players he got or it's look at all the bad players he got. At the, but what, what you have to do is say, look at all the players he got and are there more, you know, does the good outweigh the bad? And no, because they're 0-12. But you could say, oh, we have Garrett, Ogunjobi, um, maybe uh, Corey Coleman. Schobert. just Yeah, Schobert. You could say, well, you know, these players are good. If you plug them into a good team, they'd still do well. But right now, they blew so many picks. Just look at the receivers. I mean, Josh Gordon has to come back and save the position. They messed up on all these big positions, including quarterback, that the guys they got doesn't outweigh it. It's like, oh, well, look, Body Calhoun's good. Schobert's good. He signed Jamie Collins. I go, the Jamie Collins deal is a good deal, but if your defense still gives up 30 points, does does it matter? All those guys would have been good, and you could still you still could have got those guys if you just took Wentz. You know, I, I mean, Corey Coleman, yeah, take a receiver at fifteen, great. But I mean, not having a quarterback to throw to him is a huge thing, and it's not it's not even just about the draft picks with Sashi. I, I mean, look at the decisions they made as an organization with Josh McCown. I mean, if you take away the quarterback from both from both the Jets and the Browns, I mean. You'd be hard pressed to tell me right now that the Jets have a better roster than the Browns. Well, the Jets were the- trying to tank, but instead, they, if they would have played Bryce Petty or Hackenberg, they'd be zero and sixteen. But instead, and they're I, like, I mean, "We'll play Josh McCown as a gap year," and they win five games. How desperate are the Browns for a veteran quarterback that they had on their freaking roster, and they let him go? I mean, I mean, just stuff like that. Even Osweiler. I mean, the Browns could have gone zero and sixteen with Osweiler. The Browns. So I Sasha would still have his job. Yeah, me, you or I could have gone zero and sixteen as Brown head coach, Browns head coach too, and, and got paid a lot less to do it. it it's just looking at. I, I I can only imagine that Jimmy Haslam watches Carson Wentz and Deshaun Watson when he was playing, and it's just like, man, I don't think you could trade the entire Browns roster right now for Carson Wentz, and the Eagles wouldn't do it because it, there's nothing more valuable than having that franchise guy. Because once you have that guy, then you can put talent around him, and if you if you're unable to put talent around them, that's when you end up like the Colts. But at least when Andrew Luck is playing, the Colts have a chance to win every game just because of that guy. Right now, the Browns are so comfortable playing from behind because they can't get out to an early lead because their quarterback is not good, because they can't move the ball on offense. You know, they're so comfortable playing from behind that there's no, you know, it, it, there's no continuity to the offense, and it's just frustrating to watch obviously as a fan and a a bigger problem surrounding the quarterback position which is kind of scary is for those who make the argument well if we would have got Wentz or Watson they wouldn't have done well here because they're schemed properly well in that case if Hugh Jackson can't draw up schemes for these top quarterbacks why is he still here are we going to draft Josh Rosen and have Hugh Jackson not go to his strengths because if that's what happens he's also probably going to throw a lot of interceptions if he's throwing the ball 40 50 times a game 
You can't just be like, well, well, in Houston, they schemed for Watson. I go, that's what you're supposed to do. That's most guys. I mean, guys are successful because their coaches scheme for them. Yeah. I mean, that's like what it's about. Yeah. I mean, look at when the Browns drafted Brandon Whedon. I mean, they Pat Shermer ran a West Coast offense and they drafted a gunslinger from Oklahoma State that just knew a vertical offense. And so it's like trying to fit a square peg in a round hole. And it kind of plays into my theory, you know, with with Hugh Jackson and Deshaun Kaiser, that he's not necessarily setting them up for success, kind of in spite of the front office. I mean, yeah, he won the battle or the power struggle, but they're losing the war. You know, if he doesn't turn it around, I, I don't know how he can look himself in the mirror and, and think that he's a good football coach because he he's really done nothing to put any of his players in favorable positions to succeed. It's just going to be frustrating if he does get fired after if they go 0-16 because it's like, what was the point of the past two years? Then you have a roster with a lot of young guys who may decide to get out of town after their four years or, you know what I mean, like their time allotted. Like, is Miles Garrett going to stay here if they have another coach or even another coach by the time – he has to make a decision. So you have but, all these guys brought in. You have one win. You bring in a new coach, new GM. I mean, we've seen it a bunch of times. This isn't the think, first time this happened. But I, I think that's part of why maybe they kept Hugh Jackson around because, like I said, because of that, that those young players on the roster that just like that continuity, you know, or the same position coaches that are coaching them up the same way because you can't. There's been guys like all those guys or all those previous Browns draft picks that don't turn out because of all the turnover from a coaching standpoint. They just never know technique wise what they're doing. So then they go somewhere like Jabal Sheard to the Patriots and and they 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 find their niche and and get some actual continuity with a coaching staff and and that's where they start to succeed. So I understand it from that standpoint, but I think the main reason that they fired Sashi Brown now is to get that general manager in here with credibility because one thing that needs to happen in this offseason is that they need to go after that middle class of free agents once again the similar to the Kevin Zeitlers the JC Treader I don't want to say Kenny Britt but I mean guys along those lines and you're not going to get that credibility you're not going to get the you're going to get more Kenny Britts if you have Sashi Brown in there if you have a guy like John Dorsey who has connections across the league or maybe some players that he knows fit what he wants to do I mean, that's that's the kind of guy that's going to bring in the quality free agents that turn this team from a winless team to maybe that 7-8 win team that, that we long for so badly. I, sh- I mean, I sure hope that happens. But I do agree, if you bring someone in like him who has connections with agents and players, he can. Sashi Brown is just, they don't really have a leg up. All they have is the money. But some guys may say, hey, I'm not, I'm not going to spend a precious part of my athletic career rotting away in Cleveland, losing every single game. Yeah, I mean, you, you bring up a good point about the agents, and I think one knock on Sashi Brown and the Browns organization or front office in general was that they were just difficult to work with, you know, whether it's the asking price or, you know, when, when a team comes back with that asking price, the asking price has changed. So I, I don't know if that's just inexperience with what they're doing or God knows what's going on in there. But I think finally, if they can land a guy like John Dorsey, you know, that Again, it just brings in that credibility that, and maybe it doesn't work out because I, I mean, we've been sold a bill of goods before with Mike Holmgren, Tom Hecker, Greg or George Kokinas. I mean, top to bottom, all these guys just have failed. So maybe we're just hyping ourselves up for another failure. But 
you know, it's no fun if we just sit here and, you know, I, I was a fa- I was a Sashi truther at the beginning of the year, and it's funny how all that how all that changes after you know twelve straight losses. I think to your point of like they're being difficult to work with. What they were trying to do is that like what Haslam did by hiring them in the first place. They were trying to set a whole new precedent for how to build a team and how to win. And agents will go along with that if your team is a playoff team and players want to go there. But if you're the worst team in football two years in a row and you're like, all right, well, here's our offer. They're like, no. Like, I was going to come there for extra money, but I'm not going to do this now. But if you're a playoff team and everyone's trying to sign with you, all the free agents, then you could do that stuff. But they just didn't get to that point. Yeah. And, I mean, it's a, it's an attractive job. I mean, the owner's not very attractive because – Yeah, but if you get a five-year deal fully guaranteed, you're like, if he fires me, I don't care. Yeah. Uh, but, I mean, it's just another challenge for a guy – you know, I don't know why he was fired from Kansas City. So whatever comes out about that will be interesting to read because that team is pretty good and was pretty good. And he he was also the guy that drafted Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay. So, you know, maybe he, maybe Jimmy Haslam throughout this process. And may, again, maybe something's already being done as we speak. You know, they're just trying to work out the contract details or whatever. But Well, they've been reaching out to potential new guys while Sashi was still there. He had them know. I saw a tweet that said Sashi, like, was reaching out to. Sashi was the one reaching out to those guys to bring in that GM. Little did he know that he was the one that he was being replaced. He was almost being told to, you know, hire his replacement. Well, he probably thought like, okay, I'll be the VP of Ops. We'll hire a GM, which is fine because Sashi Brown's specialty was in the contracts, in all that stuff, and I, I think Daryl Ryder said a ninety-two-three today. Like looking back, like as soon as Jimmy Haslam announced that he was promoting his lo- top lawyer to GM, everyone was like, "This is not going to work." It's it's not even the whole Moneyball thing. It's he genuinely had no experience at the job, and it'd be like me and you, like, "All right," uh, like at the Senior Bowl, like, uh, "Is he good?" I don't know. <laughs> they all look good, huh? <laughs> Do you remember? It was an article. I think it was probably Pro Football Talk. Right after they hired Deep Podesta. And he said he was in the airport and he heard some other GMs or executives, you know, snickering about how it was going to work. And he, he was like, oh, well, he, like, it'll work. Like, well, well, we'll show you. Like, yeah, you were also the guy that came out and said, and this is this is the part that frustrates me most because I guarantee you that if, if they didn't come out and say this, Sashi Brown still might have his job. Because this is the biggest alarming factor for me that they shouldn't be anywhere. They shouldn't have been anywhere near this this quarterback draft. When you pass on Carson Wentz or you trade out of that pick, do not say that he's not going to be a top 20 quarterback because all you're doing is putting yourself in a lose-lose situation because now he's the MVP and you look like an idiot and you've proven that you can't evaluate quarterbacks. We know what the frustrating thing is, aside from the fact that Dave Podesta made his name in baseball, is the fact that he only shows up once or twice a year and and he says things like that. So it's like if you're going to – you can't just pop out of the woods and be like Deshaun Watson's going to suck and then disappear and then show up next year and be like we're taking Rosen because everyone else sucks or something. He's not the one sitting at the press conferences. He doesn't have to answer to that. And he didn't even get fired. They kept everyone else in place. Uh, Yeah, who knows? Maybe he's the second act. He could be on his way out. I think he's more of a strategy guy though, and I don't know if – I mean maybe that's their whole – What's that mean? Again – they, they try to model it after that whole Cowboys rebuild with Troy Aikman. And, 
I mean, me and you could run their play. roster right now. They have, I mean, their their salary cap. They <laughs> they have a they have a large fortune in salary cap. Me and you could be like, yeah, this is good. This is manageable. But again, you got to get players to come here, and I, I think that again, it just goes back to why maybe Sashi lo- or Sashi lost his job because. No one is going to come to Cleveland because Sashi Brown is convincing them that they're a winning team. And I think it's a necessary change that had to happen. It's just the the keeping of Hugh Jackson is just a little bit concerning because if he does It's not the keeping, it's the promise. He's yeah. it's not even just saying he's safe for the season. It's he's coming back. But like we said the Giants said that and Ben McAdoo at least won two games. He's a creepy looking guy though. If so. he's won and what one in thirty-one, and they keep him. Jimmy Haslam is going to have no credibility. I think he was going to have no credibility. I mean, he'll never get another head coaching job. Well, watch him. Watch Marvin Lewis get fired, and Hugh get hired in Cincy and go to the playoffs. Watch Marvin Lewis get fired, and him like if they can't land Dorsey, what if Marvin Lewis came to be the GM? Well, Tony of the tweeted that, and that'd, that'd be, be insane. That'd be the most Bengals slash Browns thing that could ever happen. What? Oh man, I would at least we'd get to the playoffs and lose in the first round every year though. So I, I couldn't be upset about that. Browns would trade like some low level player for like Marvin Lewis and AJ McCarron. Oh, they'd get they they'd have you AJ could trade McCarron for coaches. coming free agency. I mean, maybe they could get uh, AJ Green away from uh, from Cincinnati or Andy Dalton. Maybe we just turn into the Cleveland Bengals, man. We could we could have the real Paul Brown Stadium back, or at least back in back in Cleveland. If Marvin Lewis becomes the Browns GM, I'm going to die. What if that's a thing like big news, Bengals fire Lewis so he can join the Browns? Oh, no. Joins the Browns as head coach and demotes Hugh to offensive coordinator. But he would be okay with it because him and Marvin are boys. It's like, I mean, completely outlandish possibilities. But it's nothing that I would put past this organization at this point. Well, it's just crazy because when this started, I remember like, no way this goes to be a five-year plan because if you're losing that's not a thing no one no one thought no one believed him i I think that's why the media is so snarky it's like he's not going to keep him and fans are like you have to trust the process and they're like no jimmy haslam is gonna fire these guys before they get to this end of this process and it's like well you're being negative and then they fire him and it's like the problem is that you don't need a five-year freaking plan I mean, it's not communist only, China. <laughs> it, Joel said that there was a myth that the the quick fix doesn't exist, and it it does exist. The Eagles did it. You know, they they had that roster with Chip Kelly. They fired Chip Kelly, hired Doug Peterson. Again, Ryan Matthews, no wide receivers. They traded away Demarco Murray. I mean, that roster was just as bad as the Browns. Even after they got rid of Mitchell Schwartz, Travis well, around the league, that. people think that players. I mean, Glover Quinn said the Browns have a talented roster, one of the most talented. Um, I heard in the radio today on 92.3, they're saying some GMs believe the Browns are really talented. So if you had a QB in there, like you're saying, who just imagine if Deshaun Kaiser completed his deep balls to Gordon on Sunday. They win that game. It's a different tune. But he can't, though. That, and that, that's the thing that I have, the problem that I have with Kaiser. And I got an, into an argument with one of my, or not an argument, a discussion with one of my buddies. And he's like, well, you just got to keep Kaiser around or give Kaiser a chance for another year. And I'm like, listen, man, I – I'll keep him on the roster. He's probably he'd be a good backup, and he's a good developmental quarterback. But that's not a guy that that can start. He shouldn't have started this year. I wrote that he should start because he gave the Browns the best chance to well, win. He was the best of the worst. Yeah, and, and I mean, I said it. I had it in a, a draft recap 
early on, I think I had Mahomes, Trubisky, Watson, and Kaiser in kind of where I thought they would go in the draft. I said Mitch would go top 10, Mahomes and Watson top 15, and then Kaiser would fall to the second round because he's just not accurate. And that's something that I thought would change between now and then, or at least improve, and it hasn't been there. And that's a huge, huge issue because you can't move the ball when your quarterback can't complete the ball. Yeah, and they can keep him on the roster as the backup, and he could get better and one day start for the team. But right now, there's no reason just to be like, well, we're keeping him as the starter. Like, you're punting the season then. I mean, and they basically did that this year. It is unfair to Deshaun Kaiser. Totally, totally. Um, the way they had Brock as the starter, and then they're like, all right, he's gone. You're the starter. So maybe that falls on the front office. But then, as he you know, has a decent start, starts to trend downward, needs some guidance, benched for Kevin Hogan. And then pulled middle of game. So now when he's like probably out there pressing, like, I don't want to get pulled. Yeah, if John Dorsey loves Josh Rosen as a quarterback, what? Would you trust Hugh Jackson to handle him? Would you, Would you, if you were John Dorsey or if you were the general manager of the Cleveland Browns with Hugh Jackson as the coach and the number one overall pick, regardless of what quarterback do you take, would you trust Hugh Jackson in coaching that? Well, that I'd, I'd pull a Billy Bean and be like, you're playing this guy. You can't. Well, like, you're not pulling Josh Rosen from games. You're starting him, and then we'll fire you if you, if you mess around. Yeah. Because that's I mean, what a GM's I, supposed to do. GM's supposed question, to be the though. boss. Would you trust him or no? No. Yeah. I mean, it's a it's an easy answer, and that's that's why it's still puzzling that he's still around, to be honest. But, but if they go zero and sixteen, a lot can change. A lot can change, and it's I'm sure it's not the end of whatever's happening. You know, there's going to be stuff coming out oh, of woodwork about because they still a new GM's not going to be like, yo, keep all these guys around. They're going to clean house in the front office. New scouts, new guys. I wonder. I saw a tweet from Daryl Ryder, and I. I I asked him a question about it because I was curious and he, he just, he had a stat of how many um, Browns players were on the roster that were um, acquired by Sashi Brown. Let's see. It was 42 or 53, 92, three, the fan of 64 players currently under the Browns control. 52 were added in the last two years by Sashi Brown. And my question to that was how many of those 52 are going to be around, you know, like what well, typically what we see is GMs come in and, you know, they bring in their own guys now, I get that they're young guys, but, you know. I, well, that's I the thing people are be... saying, too. They're like, all the talent the Browns got, whoever comes in is going to cut them all, and then they're going to go be good elsewhere, like we've seen so many times. Yeah. Like, I, I think guys like, do you think Nuke was going to be on this team next year? No. You think Derek Kinder is going to be on this team? Probably not. You know, I think the first thing they're going to do is go after some sort of free agents with that money. Well, they're going to go literally, they're going to have two years of saying we're only building to the draft, and then they're going to get a new GM who's saying, screw the draft, we're building through free agency. <laughs> like, ah. Well, you can't say screw the draft. I mean, they have literally. No, I know, but I mean, we're not going to trade every pick. Yeah, I think there's a lot of those guys, like I would say probably a Spencer Drango uh, a lot of those guys that we see as questionable from the last two drafts that really haven't flashed or really shown anything. Well, that's like what Sashi Brown did. He cleaned house of all the guys he didn't like. That's what everyone yeah. does. So, But, I mean, I, I think those are the guys that, that should be worried for next year because the Miles Garretts, David Njoku, Jabril Peppers, those guys are staying. Like even Sean it's Coleman's staying. Guys. Like the guys who yeah. are starters. And that's I think that's part of the reason why they want to bring in a general manager too now is just to evaluate, currently evaluate, you know, like kind of the last four weeks – who's kind of worth keeping or at least to, to be able to talk to them. And I don't know, man, it's going to be, I, I've never seen it happen, you know, this early in December, we're usually doing this a month from now, but 
you know, at least they're they're trying to get a head start and get their GM or their number one pick versus waiting around till Black Monday. Yeah, I have no problem with them doing it early because they could be competing with the Giants. Like some people are speculating, mm-hmm. but it's just it's I hate waking up because we and seeing this because I was joking i tweeted earlier like oh what do you think about the game on sunday games what's a game we don't talk about those we only talk about stuff off the field they're a three-point underdog at home and i honestly i mean the only reason i'm gonna watch is because i have josh gordon in fantasy and i'm watching because i want to see hugh play duke johnson for every snap now that sashi brown's gone well i mean the, the worst part is too is that i'm gonna listen to the radio on monday if they win be like, well, that's all it was. They needed to get that Sashi Brown out of there, and that's why they won a game. Like, that makes no sense whatsoever. There'll Sashi be Brown that says that. was putting hexes on Kaiser would let him <laughs> throw complete passes. Yeah, because if Kaiser comes out and completes deep balls to Josh Gordon, they could win. Josh Gordon's yeah. going to blow by any corner that's put on oh, him. Oh, yeah. And I think they're down their first two corners. They're down to their third, fourth, and fifth string corners this week. So, And Josh Gordon will only be game. in better game shape because he's used to it now. He hadn't played a game yeah. in three years. I mean, it would be nice, too, if they threw him a screen pass, you know, and let him try to run. Like, that's what the that's what Pat Shermer, or maybe it was Chudzinski at that time. I don't even, Who knows? There's so many coaches. They, they all run together at this point. It's absurd. But, I, I mean, just Well, the problem to... is, too, Hugh Jackson needs to stop running four verticals. With no underneath route. Or putting offensive line. I mean, to be fair, this play was actually pretty good because it got the one-on-one coverage for Gordon. But there's no need to split your freaking offensive linemen out wide on both sides. No, there's, and it's I, – I, mean, I remember Tom, uh, who runs – whose site expert runs our Twitter, just had a video of that. And I was like, can we stop with these? And you just see it and you go, what is that? Why are you – like – Oh, we got eight yards, and we had our tackles out near the sideline. Like, what are you doing? You see the offensive. So, Hugh is this innovative offensive mind, right? In St. or Los Angeles, Sean McVay goes in there, and they're setting up, or they have audibles lined up for the first fifteen seconds based on what the defense is doing, and they adjust on the fly. Yeah, he's calling. Has no problem with it. He's calling it. I mean. Now we can't even get a playoff in the red zone because they're calling timeout with five minutes left. You know, in the, well, that was the thing too. Is Hugh saying we're not equipped? And it's like, okay, well, you called this horrible play, and then you do this, and you're saying your team doesn't have the talent, but your play calling is a factor too. I've never seen. I mean, very rarely do they run the ball in the red zone. I mean, it, your quarterback has done nothing but turn the ball over in the red zone. The receivers have less space do. to work. All you do is pass the ball in the red zone, yet all he's done is turn the ball over. I mean, and then, even at the end of that game. And then he'll be like, oh, well, in the beginning of the game, he's like, they ran that option on third and 11. Like, oh, we oh want to be careful. God. And then he'll be like, oh, we took a field goal because we want to be careful. And then at the end of games, he'll start calling passes and be like, oh, well, you know, got to try to win. But we're not equipped to win. But we're trying to be careful. <laughs> like, what are you saying? All he had to do, Kaiser, all he had to do was fall down and they would have kicked the field goal and kept themselves in the game. But instead, or just run the ball. You could have just kicked on third down. I well, mean, you had, I, the, you had the, the fumble there. You had the hop skip sack that Gordon couldn't even get. Because Gordon and the defensive back were still like, and because you assume your quarterback's not going to take a sack, they were just standing in the end zone, and they both looked back. Yeah. And they're like, what the heck? <laughs> and then not only did that happen, but they sent the sub to the other side of the field. So, like instead of just having Gordon go back, I, 
It's absurd. I, I mean, it wasted like 30 seconds. Just because you have young guys that, and maybe it's because they're not veterans that I guess don't know the intricacies or the nuances of the league, and that's that's part of the issue. But man, it's maybe he's just asking too much out of them, or maybe I, I, I don't know. And it, I'm interested to see what comes out in the next, you know, three or four days between now and the, and the Monday podcast. And, and even what happens, you know, before the Browns game, because usually Sunday is Sunday. Oh, Jason like Lockhand Four is sitting on some big stories right now. Oh, J- Jason, he called this back in October first. I mean, everyone's like, "Oh, screw that guy." I mean, he knows nothing when he's the one that said this was a an ongoing issue. And then Mary Kay Cabot says Hugh Jackson and Sasha Brown were on speaking terms for a month right around the time those reports. And Hugh, in his press conference, said. This is a very leaky place, and everyone's like, "Hmm, if only yeah. we could find the guy with the like, leaks." The leak as is Hugh Jackson tweeting, wearing a mustache and Mike fake Silver. glasses. Yeah, the leak is Hugh Jackson wearing a fake mustache and glasses, going Hugh to Jackson. Mike Silver, like texting Mike Silver, and it's. I think Zach Jackson just tweeted that you know Hugh Jackson has a personal mouthpiece hired by the NFL or like employed by the NFL, and Mike Silver was like, Mike oh. Silver attacked him, like, oh, I guess yeah. we found out who the source is. Yeah, I mean, where where do the, all the dots add up? So where where else is this information coming? Someone's got to get Jimmy Haslam a Twitter account. I'm telling you, man, Chris Tabor is that leak for Lock and Fora. He's been there through all of it, and I guarantee you, wouldn't it be crazy Tabor, if Chris Tabor was the again. mole? <laughs> And that's not a knock on Chris Tabor. I'm sure he's a great guy. I just think it, he's the only he's the only constant that's been. Here it makes the last no sense why he stays around. I mean, I get that it's not his <laughs> fault, but like, just like I think they honestly forget to fire him. He's like Milton. <laughs> well, Doesn't like, get paid. Yeah, <laughs> we fixed the glitch. That's it. I mean, he's just he's off the payroll. But uh, it'll be it'll be interesting to see what comes out in the next couple of weeks. Uh, especially, you know, hopefully there's a decision soon on the general manager because obviously we want them to get their number one guy. I don't, they've had a search firm in charge of it. So at least it's not. Oh, Jimmy great. Haslam we got a search firm to tell us that we should draft Johnny Manziel, huh? No, it, you know, that search firm told them to draft Teddy Bridgewater and they didn't take the advice. They spent a hundred thousand dollars, which I mean, for them is nothing, but for us, we got to work lot. for one of those consulting firms because oh, yeah. they literally go, all right, tell us what quarterback we should draft. And they go, uh, I mean, Teddy Bridgewater is pretty good. And they're like, no, no, <laughs> we're going to take, we're going to take someone else. Well, thank you for paying me a hundred thousand dollars to not use my advice. I really appreciate it. But yeah. Um, the search firm for a GM. How about you just have, you just call someone, call another owner, say, no, any good GMs. They go, yeah, this guy. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure that's what he does. It's, well, and uh, you're talking about the coaching search, but I just watched Tennessee hired their 20th choice, a good choice for their coach, Alabama's defensive coordinator. But we have Jimmy Haslam, who is a part of that hear search. A good story about that too. So I, I read a tweet today that said Jimmy Haslam and I forget the other uh, booster's name. They wanted to interview Mel Tucker first, or they wanted to give offer the job to Mel Tucker. But the AD bucked it and gave or offered the job to the defensive coordinator from Arkansas first. So, again, Jimmy Haslam can't even run Tennessee correctly. He can't run the Browns correctly. And he's under federal indictment. I mean, I feel bad for the guy, but at the same time, you know. He's got too much on his plate, and yeah. he, he, uh, he's not selling the team. Everyone's, he should just sell. I go, that's a several billion dollar transaction. You said that about Lerner. And Lerner, I mean, at least Lerner was like, here, I'll pay you to do this, and I'll be hands off. Jimmy, I think, truly does want this team to be a winner. Yeah. But he's just – he's hiring the wrong people. And if you look at Pilot Flying J and how that organization was set up, 
I mean, I don't think he was the one that came up with the rebate scam. I think he knew about it, and I think he obviously condoned it, but he's hiring people that are, you know, ethically skewed and creating that, or at least uncovering that way to rip people off, and it's it's just not a good business practice. It's almost like buying Brown season tickets with Hugh Jackson as the coach. Yeah. Yeah, I gotta I gotta figure out if I'm re upping the tickets. You're like, oh yeah, that reminds me, I gotta send in my deposit. <laughs> uh, it's just gonna get it's gonna get lost in the uh, law. Like Sashi Brown mishandled the paperwork. Be like, hey, That's we never got your deposit. Them. Be like, no, I sent it in. Be like, no, you're gonna have to send it again. I sent it in uh, at at four oh four oh one. I appealed to the NFL, but they didn't let me do it. So, uh, yeah, a little bit longer episode than usual. I think it it calls it's called for given. And this brings us to our breakdown of Browns <laughs> Packers. <laughs> Yeah, if you enjoyed the first 40 minutes, stay tuned for the next half hour. As Brett we- Hundley, <laughs> Deshaun Kaiser, who will throw less picks? Or uh, who will have a better completion percentage? I saw a thing today. It was like, just really quick. It was like, Colts Bills tickets are going for $4. That's sad. I'm like, every Browns home game on StubHub, there's $5 tickets. Yeah. This is not... I'm like, oh, that's... I didn't know other teams had this. I don't know. I, I Again, I'm going to... Fully support whatever GM they hire and hope that. Oh, hope I mean, to God, that they. It's the drug the of choice. Yeah, the Browns. Yeah, it, there's. It wouldn't be you know Cleveland sports without some sort of drama, and and even if the Cavs and Indians didn't exist, I think that there would be enough Browns news to to give us content. Well, for, people for say LeBron's year. petty, but at the end of the day, you love the drama, and with the Browns, oh, yeah. you love the drama because if they're not winning game, if they just didn't win and just like were the Bengals and just had the same people, it'd be horrible. But they don't win, and then it's like, you're fired. <laughs> no. Yeah. I, I guess you keep firing until you find somebody that works, right? But It's like dating. I guess. <laughs> keep keep breaking <laughs> off potentially good things until... Date them for two years, and if they suck, let them go. Well, I guess that's true. I mean, it is... No, no. Throw true. shade for two months, and then let them go. <laughs> yeah. In a very Completely unexpected throw them manner. Completely yeah, throw them under the bus and, and give them absolutely no credit. Have your best friend talk about how horrible they are. Yeah. Well, I'm sure there will be some news leaking between now and Sunday, and we'll be sure to cover that in our Monday episode. So be sure to subscribe on iTunes and, and listen to us. iTunes, at Google Play Store. Are we on the Google Play Store? No, nah, we're just iTunes. Oh, we're, oh, we've, 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 that's the hill we're dying on. Okay. But I would like to end really quick by saying Browns 20, Packers 17. Your thoughts. I think it's going to be solely dependent on how Josh Gordon's day ends. Not the answer I was looking for. So 2017 I Browns. I, I, I got to look at what I put in my pick prediction. I think it's going to be 20. I'm going to say 23, 17 Packers. Oh. The Browns can't. They, they score under 15 points. They're like under 17 points a game. So, like, I think that's even generous for what they're doing. Yeah, yeah. Whatever. All right, that's fine. Hopefully they'll prove me wrong. But I think that just about does it for us. Like I said, subscribe to us on iTunes. Give us a rate. You know, let us know if we're terrible, if you can't stand listening to us. You know, sometimes I can't stand listening to the sound of my own voice. But yeah, some people are different. So give us a, <laughs> give us a review on iTunes and be sure to subscribe and follow us on Twitter. Uh, for Andrew Sype and Stephen Kibitza and the Dog Pound Daily Podcast, signing off.